0: Hola, amiga. Welcome to the Amiga Arise podcast. I'm Priscilla Gomez, your host and hopefully an amiga for a journey of learning, growing, and thriving. I'm a licensed clinical therapist with a trauma history of my own, but I was transformed by the call that God has placed on my life. And I'm here to share how the clinical world taught me how to begin my healing process, but ultimately, only God was able to heal the darkest areas of my past. Amiga, I know you are smart, driven, successful, and ambitious, but yet there seems to be something missing. You might be wondering why peace and joy are lacking in your life. Amiga, welcome. I can bet you have walked through some dark paths yourself, and maybe you're wondering if God is even real, or why suffering exists, or what your true purpose is here on earth. Amiga, I hear you, but if you're ready to take a deeper look, find freedom, and step into flourishing God's way, I'm here to lend a helping hand as you step into your healing, and your faith-filled life. So open up that journal, pop in those AirPods, and take a deep breath. We're about to embark on a beautiful journey of arising to your true self. Hola amiga, welcome back. It's episode five and you're still here, you're still with me, or you're brand new and you're listening because someone recommended this podcast for you. I'm just so excited you're here. Welcome. The first few episodes, you know, were my launch and it told a little bit about my story And the struggles I've walked through um, from childhood to adolescence to young adult life to a professional in the mental health field. And now as I transition into uh, launching my own business in coaching, and this is what really geared this podcast, not only to share my story and to share what God has done in it and through it, uh, but to also begin my new venture in the realm of helping others, especially women, young women who have dealt with some things in their past and are struggling with getting out of the rut and the repetition of unhealthy coping and um, thought processes and behaviors. So I'm just here for it all friends. I'm so excited you're here. I'm excited you're tuning in. Today I am really digging into the story of why I decided to venture into 1 year of abstaining from alcohol, social media and dating for a year. Why did I do that? How did I come to that term? And, you know, all the all the questions. Now I'm not I'm no way suggesting you do have to do exactly what I did or that this process is for you. I am merely sharing this story so you can get a little bit more of an understanding of why I even got to that place of, oh man, I need to let go of some things. And this is this is what began my faith journey really to a whole nother level. Um, as I mentioned in episode one, I was invited to church online right at the beginning of the pandemic by a friend and in that period of my life I was still living with all the effects and side effects of my underlying stress, anxiety, trauma and like just this endless disappointment with some of the life choices that I had been making. But I had also lived a life where I was completely satisfied to an extent and um, just prideful in my achievements and where I was in my professional life and that I had really ventured into this profession of helping others while not really (laughs) digging into my own healing. Um, I really lacked some initiative there, but I felt this sense of pride and accomplishment later learned that overperforming or um, is also a form of coping with something, overperforming in a skill set in an achievement because then I could really try to focus my attention and my control on that rather than the internal turmoil that I was feeling. But I really wasn't ready to pay attention to the things that needed my attention the most, right? I had developed some, very unhealthy dependency on alcohol, obsession with social media, and what I call reckless dating. But if I'm being honest, it was more the hookup culture that we live in. Um, and so I was just tired of it. I was tired of being in that same cycle and, um, Wanting more, like wanting a relationship with someone, wanting to be vulnerable with someone and have someone be vulnerable back with me, but yet I find my I found myself in these situation that we say now in our in our culture, right, where I was constantly going after and kind of falling for the guy who very very upfront was like, hey, you know, I'm not looking for a relationship, but we would do very relationship kind of things and go on, you know, trips or go to concerts, go do things, go, you know, go all do the things, but not be in a relationship. And, and it wasn't just one time, this was a, it would happen over and over and over again. And then the guys who were kind and wanted to give me more attention and um, kind of build that uh, relationship with me, I was just like, mm. Not for me, right? So I was just like, there's something absolutely wrong here. And I I knew it. I just, and from a therapeutic perspective, right? And I was like, I am definitely walking away from the things that are better for me, but I'm walking towards the things that are harmful and harming me over and over again in the same way, whether it was social media, alcohol, or boys. Um, And we just know that in science, right? Through science, we know that it's just so much harder to build a new routine, a new habit, and so we get so accustomed to the easy, and if there's a reward attached to it, ac- um, oxytocin, oxytocin uh, serotonin, yeah, oxytocin, um, just all the hormones, the pleasure hormones in our brain um, that are released, dopamine and all the things, um, then of course we gravitate towards that because it's it's like a a quick hit you know and of whether it's a drug or um a behavior we just feel this adrenaline and we keep doing it over and over because now we've accu- we become accustomed to that and um sometimes that hit like i said is a drug sometimes it's um a certain person a certain behavior with the person whether that's sex or just engaging flirting and sometimes that behavior is our phones our devices having um, People like the things we post, you know, having interactions with people. So the list can go on. And so I knew this from a therapeutic perspective, but um, wasn't ready to engage in that change until the pandemic and everything was falling apart around me, as I mentioned, right? Um, When the pandemic was hitting, uh, my my household was dealing with... um, Mourning a loss of a family member to cancer, right as the pandemic was starting, um, we had a traumatic deportation of another family member, and you know we just had so much stress um, dealing with learning what this virus meant, where we can go, where we couldn't go, the fear, the anxiety, um, not to mention the civil unrest we were having, we were having here in the U.S. with um, the murders of innocent black lives and I was just coming to a point of complete distraught and I just was ready to just say, okay, I obviously have no control over any of these outside factors going on around me. I can't control how my parents react, how my family members react, how this country is reacting to um this virus and to this these uh, atrocities um and so i was just ready to to take a an inward look and say again as i know best through therapy i can't control others but i can control myself right i was like okay i need to really practice what i preach and so through church online and jumping on these zoom calls after church, um, and having these convers like kind of very vulnerable conversations with, complete strangers besides my friend and letting them know exactly where I stood in my faith and my doubts and my questions and my protest on certain things, I was just welcomed with open arms and just listened to and and heard. And, um, never once was I being forced to think a different way or to, um, or brought sh- no one shame me or condemn me for for thinking or even saying things out loud that I I truly believed it at that time or just protested at that time, and so I would end up finishing watching the service and engaging in these conversations, like I said with complete strangers at the time. Now I can call them dear friends, but um, I would close the laptop and just be brought to tears because there was something on this screen on watching that service on, or through these conversations with people that there was some sort of grace that I was experiencing that I hadn't experienced in a long time. And it felt familiar, right? It felt like God, it felt like this is what God would, how God would greet me when I come to him with my, with my doubts and my concerns and my, you know, my protests on certain things. Um, and he and and that's exactly what my experience was, um, and I'm only sharing this because, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I'm sharing this my own faith journey because it transformed the way I just look at life, the way I engage in life, and the way I engage with others. And again, it's never I've never intend this to be some sort of force of religion down anyone's throat or to you have to believe the way I believe. That's not the way God operates. And that's not even how I was invited into this space, so to speak, right? Um, God met me exactly where I was at and how I was at and didn't shame me or condemn me for it It was just asking me to take a new step in a new direction that would help bring some peace, clarity, and healing. All of those things In which I was really hungry for but wasn't ready for and I had read the things and you know done some practical application of things and okay I'm gonna kind of do this mindfulness thing that I spoke about (laughs) and okay I can be in gratitude but I was missing a huge component of the rest of my experience and my existence from in my day-to-day life so, I'm giving this backstory so you can understand where I was a couple years ago when the pandemic started, and the level of uncertainty I had even with my walk in faith and how it all kind of took took a turn and in that summer of the that that first summer in the pandemic of twenty twenty um I was really being introduced through church on. The importance of picking up the Bible and reading it for myself rather than just waiting for a service, um, a sermon, a pastor, um, or even a priest, right? Depending on your faith background to really take up the time to do your own reading and you're engaging with God and have that personal relationship, not just this religious um, ceremonial type of, um, interaction with God. Like you don't have to be in church to experience God. You can be in the word, you can be in his presence. You can be in prayer with him, uh, at any time, anywhere. And so I was just really, um, ready to, to take that next step. And reading the Bible had been something that had been on my heart since I was younger. And I had, I think I had tried alone, but it just, didn't make sense. And hello, if I was starting with the old Testament, of course I was going to get lost at like 12 or 13 years old, but, um, you know, starting with the new Testament and also listening to sermons and, you know, just making some connections and having conversations with people who have more knowledge and could direct me to some resources to pair the reading with something else. So that's just a little side note and kind of like a, um, Yeah, side note for the story that's about to unfold here. So that summer, um, I was also introduced to the power of collective prayer and fasting together. And I understood this from a Catholic perspective, as we did Lent, um, the 40 days of fasting something before Easter, and it represented the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? And so there's, there was a symbolic understanding of what fasting meant in Catholicism. For me, at least it was a symbolic understanding um, from my childhood faith background, right? My childhood understanding of that. But when I just heard that collectively as a church, you know, just kind of random in the summer, like we can do this at any time. You can do it whenever you want. It doesn't have to be with a collective group. You can do fasting and prayer on your own account. Just gave me some sort of like a sense of community and a sense of belonging and, and desire to walk into that space, whether or not I was fully ready to, to accept God and Jesus into my life. I said, Hey, I'm willing to do this. And so we did a 21 day prayer and fasting as a church. And, and it was just refreshing to, to start this journey kind of mid-year and, and bring in some more faith and hope for the future that it didn't have to always look this way and feel this way. And what I understood from my pastors and just from, you know, other readings is that fasting really helps us get closer to God because we're avoiding something that maybe takes our attention. Um, and I understood that from like my Lent experiences, right? Like what's something you really, really like to have every single day and not, giving that attention, whether it's food, sugar, um, alcohol, whatever it is, right? So it can strengthen that communication you have with God and have a closer intimacy with him. And it can also just show you that area of sin, perhaps, um, that you're, that God wants to reveal something during those intimate moments where you're not indulging in that thing, right? And in, In biblical times fasting actually meant fasting, fasting, food, and water sometimes for a period of time or fasting food for several days. Um, Now in a more modern way of fasting we can fast like a behavior such as social media um, or certain foods, you know, um, coffee, you know, things that people find to be taking over their day or their thought or something that just means a lot to them so that they can have that extra time to get closer to God in those moments. Again, when I engaged on this journey with my church, I decided to give up alcohol for 21 days, seeing how it was negatively impacting my personal life, but also my family life at that time. I just took those 21 days and took my prayer and reading time pretty you know seriously and I wanted to give it a shot and although I was still doubtful and skeptical um, of it all I was just like I'm gonna do it and it was um, during that time during those 21 days that I really recognized like oh I should probably do this for longer than 21 days and you know I probably wouldn't call it a kind of God moment then, but now I realize God was really... I did allow God to talk to me during those 21 days and kind of start to whisper into my ear the areas that I needed to pay attention to. My social media consumption, my dating slash hookup life, and my alcohol consumption. And through my prayer and reading time with God and conversations with my friend... I came to the conclusion that after my birthday, I would I would commit to one year of not engaging in all three. And, you know, kind of fun fact or, or silly fact, I kind of took this idea a little bit from Kate Hudson because she had shared on a podcast or her podcast um, about her experience with giving up dating slash flirting for a year because that's something her therapist had Um, prescribed to her after her divorce um, and I think in and out of relationships as well. I'm not an avid celebrity follower and like I don't keep up with pop culture in that sense Um, but the fact that she was on a podcast speaking about the very nature of engaging in unhealthy relationships and flirting and you know kind of the hookup life I was I was taken aback by that, and that was a few years before my own decision to do this. Um, But that story kind of stuck with me because I was like, well, if this celebrity, this beautiful, successful celebrity is having trouble with her romantic life and engagement and her therapist is recommending one year of no dating, no flirting, like at the very least, I can try something similar and see what the results would be for me, right? Um so it's just something that was kind of a seed planted and it just makes me like crack up a little bit and that God meets us exactly where we're at. God met me through that podcast, um, listening to Kate whenever I I did and maybe started to plant a seed in me, like, hey, one I'm gonna ask you to give up dating for a year or two one day and <laughs> um or you should do it sometime soon, right? But it it just this is kind of the thread of God. And I, I say this out loud and I can laugh about it. and I can have humor with it because I never in a million years would have said, Oh, God's asking me to do these things. But, and like I said, even that summer, I wasn't really saying I need to give up these things because God's asking me. I just really felt like, man, my life is, in shambles right now. Yeah, it may look okay. Yeah, I, I can hold a job. I have a career. I, I'm helping people. I, I have relationships with friends and family. But internally, things are just, they feel upside down and not in a good way. You know, I'm just in a rut here and I need some help. <laughs> and so I started to tell people, like, I'm going to do this for a year. <laughs> and I laughed because Some people were my cheerleaders and champions from the beginning, like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome, Priscilla. We're so excited. There's just going to be so much change and amazing things will come from this. Like, I believe in you. (laughs) And a lot of other friends and family were like, uh, what? (laughs) Why? And you of all people are going to give all these three things up, like knowing exactly what my history entailed. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And so some friends were like, okay, Priscilla, well, we'll see you in a couple months and we'll talk about that. So, and not to like make fun of my friends or that I was trying to do it to prove a point to my friends, but it goes to show like that was my character and my nature. Right. So I'm coming from this place of of talking to you friends like saying hey i know what it's like to be in that place and where people are really even doubtful of your capability of change right but other people's thoughts and opinions about you have nothing to do with your own capability to engage in the process of change of course their thoughts opinions whatever if they're saying things to you directly can have an impact absolutely but it does not hold the power over your actual walk in the change or the behavior change that you're looking for and when you pair that with god and if god's asking you to do something that pairing is like un- undeniably powerful because i believe that god gave me the strength to, to walk through some through this through that year I didn't start off saying God's gonna help me through this, but in that year, because I was just being faithful to walking into a space of healing, uh, however it came, God met me where I was at and how I was at wasn't asking me. He didn't ask me to to change to become holy or you know. And then He embraced me. He the experience was actually to allow me to walk into a place of surrender. And, and letting go. And okay, just to give you some science and to back this up, because obviously I also love science and I love the mental health field um, and the way it just pairs well with our healing and faith journey. Um, I was really curious about this whole 21 day um, phenomenon, right? People and just articles on social media and different things saying like how to change a habit. It takes 21 days, yada, yada, yada. And so I hadn't done a whole lot of reading on it, but I had just heard that a lot. And so I did a little bit of research, um, for today to give you guys some, some informational, um, background on this. And I just thought it was fascinating. So I'm going to share it with you. So for all my science mental health nerds out there with me, um, If you've done some readings on this, I'd be like, I'm excited to hear what you think about it, but I'll cite the sources in the, um, show notes. So you can take a look for yourself and also, you know, do, do a little more digging and research if, if you like. Um, but I was reading in an article where I was like, okay, I did a quick little Google search, right? Like how many days to change a habit? And so the first thing that pops up is that according to a 2009 study, Published in a European journal of um, social psychology, it takes anywhere from 18 to 254 days for a person to form a new habit. The study also conducted that on average, it takes 66 days for a new habit, for a new behavior to become automatic. And that just made me laugh a little bit because 18 to 254 days is like a huge range. So, anywhere between three weeks and practically a year, a new habit. Can change um, or new habit can can be created, but it takes at least sixty six days to form the new uh, the new automatic behavior. Which it just really does make more sense that it's it takes longer than twenty one days. Um, surely longer than eighteen. Sure, some things may be easier to do than others depending on how you prepare and equip yourself for those changes. And and I was reading another article that. Um, the psychologist was talking like, yeah, of course, some things are easier to give up and others are are, are easier to, to integrate because it also depends on the reward system that our brain is um, getting, which I talked about some of the um, hormone rewards, right? Oxytocin, um, dopamine, serotonin. So I did a little more background <laughs> research and I was like, where did this come from? The 21 day phenomenon. And so this article explained how there was a plastic surgeon, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, in the ni- in nineteen fifties in the nineteen fifties, when he began to notice how his patients were adapting to a, a nose job. To so, when they would get a nose job, for example, he found that it would take the patient about twenty one days to get used to seeing their face, and then he just remarked that he found the same thing happening for patients who would lose an arm um, or for even himself he started to notice on his own his own behavioral changes that it would take him about an average of 21 days so then he made some sort of statement and said um, these and many other commonly observed phenomena, 10 to show it requires a minimum of 21 days for an old mental image to dissolve and a new one to gel. That's what he said. That Those were his exact words. So from that, um, I don't know who influencers, I, I don't know who these people were who took this statement and was like, it takes 21 days, kind of like self-help realm, you know, just really glued themselves to the statement but if you read it correctly he just says it takes a minimum of twenty one days for an old mental image to dissolve. He's not even saying a new and a new one to gel, but image, right? An image to dissolve and a new image to gel. He's not even talking about behavior sure if we're being honest. But anyways, that is just a a little side note, a little story for you to um, indulge in Take your own venture into researching if you'd like. Another psychologist and doctor that I follow now is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she really does um, fall on on the sixty six day mark. Um, she truly believes in this and has more science to back it up, and probably took it from from this the actual two thousand and nine study and and took it a little further. Um, she showed that. Although it took 21 days for a new thought to form in participants, it took about 63 days for thoughts to become a habit. So her research and her approach is about helping others make changes in their lifestyle or in their behavior in a 63 to 66 day plan, right? It really does take that amount of time to create new, new neural pathways. So she's, um, um, another person that I would just venture some more exploration if you're really interested in, in the science behind that. But anyways, that's a little bit of a side note slash explanation to why my experience in one year also made such an impact on my life and quote unquote, jailed <laughs> new, um, new neural pathways for me and new ways of seeing things and new ways of experience seeing um myself in a sober um abstained from sex life um and away from the daily consumption of social interactions with people through social media um and images that i just didn't need to consume we don't all need to consume that all day long we do and again no shame or condemnation just giving context and explanation to my journey so those first few months for me were probably the toughest and quickly within a month and a half or so of giving up all three we had another death in our family and this time due to covid and it was just a lot of pain anger and frustration um through our family. And that was the first time I really felt that emotional trigger take over my body. And let me tell you, friends, it was hard. It was hard to not open up my phone, text people I shouldn't be texting, open up the fridge because I lived in a household that still had lots of alcohol available to me. So open up the fridge and pop open a beer or a bottle of wine. I was desperate for quote-unquote a hit of something I can vividly remember that day and how physically uncomfortable I was in my own skin it was like a 24-hour 48-hour like the worst part of it but that whole week felt uncomfortable but there was that one day where I was like oh my goodness I get it I feel it so intensely it's like I wanted to peel the skin off of my skin, right? With like my bare hands. That's how awful it felt. Now, that's how awful it felt, right? And I knew that it was a feeling, it was a sensation, it was a desire, it was a trigger. Because I had all this knowledge to kind of back up my behavioral desire to change, I knew that I couldn't get past those moments and go into mindfulness, go into prayer, you know, but it wasn't immediate and it wasn't that easy, right? I definitely was able to breathe through some of that, (laughs) Um, distract myself with other things like trying to spend some quality time with my father, which for me didn't feel like quality time because I felt like I was in this other mental space. But just to paint a picture of how challenging it is to engage and change friends, and it was. There were moments like that the beginning parts of my of my one-year journey there was moments of that later in my journey as well but what i learned was that i did have far more willpower than i gave myself credit for and that when i joined god in prayer and in mindful understanding of how certain things were harming my, my my brain my body and my spirit I was finally able to let go of the identity that these things needed to be in my life. Now, do I want a healthy relationship with a man and develop into a marriage? Absolutely. Do I want a healthy relationship with alcohol where I can take a glass or two and not be overtaken by it? Absolutely. Do I... Now, now am I on social media and engaging in some some healthy patterns and setting some boundaries? Absolutely, right? So I'm not saying a be-all, end-all type of thing, like it's all or nothing, but that's what I needed for a year. And, you know, that's why I gave kind of this, the history of the science of what has been said and done about how long it takes to create change. At the bare minimum, 21 days to just get past the thought if you really want to create change, 66 days. Right. And, and for some people, like I said, the average was some of them 254 days. So that's, you know, a little shy of a year. Um, or I don't know, I'm not doing my math wrong. A hundred, it's like a hundred days short of a year. I'm just saying everyone's journey is, is different and unique. And we all have different triggers. We all have different pain points in our life. We all have different things that are going to erupt and just tear out a wound differently than others. And, you know, it's like pouring salt on it. Um, and others, you know, we can, we can it'll be quick and easy because it's, it's not a pain point we're walking through. It's just something we're trying to change. And, um, I tell this story and give this story out to you all so that you can maybe have some points of relatability for yourself or someone you know. Um, But at the bare minimum, maybe taking an inward look like these last few episodes have been about taking a look at some things that maybe you would like to engage in some change for, for the better, whether or not it's an addictive pattern or some sort of really unhealthy um, coping scope. Maybe it's just a dependency that you're just like, hey, I really don't need that. I've been using it, but it's not really helping me. It's, it's there. I can do without it. And I wonder what I would be able to do if I eliminated that from my life for a short 21 days, right? So I am just giving this kind of challenge to you if you are seeking change to give something a shot and try something different and give something up for 21 days now i am by no means any expert on the um addiction substance abuse lane so if you are um in need of some professional um Substance abuse guidance um, centers and of that sort, please reach out. I'd be happy to connect you. But I'm talking about the non, you know, deathly at the moment type of addictions or codependencies. I don't want to make light of the true nature of addiction and when you need professional and medical attention because there are plenty of substances, including alcohol, that when you're consuming at such a um, vast volume that coming off of it completely out of, from one day to the next can cause harm to your body. So if that's you or someone, you know, I would absolutely recommend finding the appropriate professional and medical attention. This is for everyone else who is just contemplating whether or not maybe your consumption of blank you fill in the blank, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the same things that were my my battle, right? They're, everyone has their own things that they battle with on the daily that you're trying to rid of. So if you're looking for some change, that's what I'm proposing here, is that you just take an inward look for an outward expression, right? And this is kind of the theme and thread that you'll continue to hear through my podcast and begin to launch my own coaching programs. If this is something that you're interested in and would need some extra support in or you know someone that would, I'd be happy to be on that journey with them. But in the meantime, start to practice these mindful, mindful experiences to see if there's something inwardly that you would like some outwardly change for. And so I leave with I leave you with that friends. Um this was my story of how I came to a place of letting go of alcohol, sex and dating for a year. Now, a year later, as of last year 2021, um I'm coming up on the 2 years since I started that journey. I now, like I said, I'm back on social media. I am now only dating Um, with the intention of marriage and alcohol is something that I slowly reintroduced into my life and I now have sometimes cases of alcohol in in our fridge or in our pantries not because I'm drinking them but because we had a gathering and they just stay there and they stay unopened, they stay sealed until the next gathering that we have Um, and I'll engage in a glass or two and I have the restraint to say mm, that's good enough right now I know that if there comes a day where a glass or two is no longer enough for me and that I re-engage in these behaviors and these patterns where it overtakes um, my inhibitions that I will have to have another real deep conversation with self and with God and say, hey, is this something that I need to give up completely and not have in my life? And I would be okay with that if that was the case, right? You would have asked me that five years ago. I was not ready for that. 10 years ago, absolutely not. And even two years ago, I would have been like, "Mm, I don't know about all this, right? But (laughs) I'm at the place of, I can let go of the things that I know no longer serve me. Um, If I can get through that year, um, with the ups and downs that that brought, then I can get through a lifetime without it because I know the true purpose of my life is to be here to serve others, serve God and serve others. So um, so be it, right? I am willing to give up what I need to give up. but it took a journey to get here and it took a act of surrender to say, I don't have it all together. I don't know all the answers but I'm willing to try something different. So friend, if that's you, I am so here for it and for you. I'm excited to jump on this journey with you. If you need some extra help, support, guidance, coaching, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) But if you're looking for a therapist, uh, let me know. I can also help direct you, give you some resources. I did not get through this journey without my own therapist. So next couple episodes I'll spend some time talking about whether or not seeking a therapist a coach um, is your next best step and how to do that how to begin that process and or if you just need some extra familial family friend support that are going to uh, surround you with the energy and the guidance that you need but Until next time, friend, I'll see you soon. I am now on Apple Podcasts, so if you do me a huge favor and jump over there and rate and review, that would be such a blessing to me just to know what you think, what I can do better, what other episodes you would like to um, have or hear about, and I would just be so grateful for you. So thank you for being on this journey with me. Can't wait to hear more from you. Gracias, amiga. See you next time. Amiga, that's a wrap for today. I pray this episode has blessed you in some way, brought you some clarity, or inspired you to take your next step in faith and healing. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, I would love to hear about it and the best way to thank me is by leaving me a review and a comment on Apple Podcasts. You can also screenshot this episode and post me and tag me at Amiga Arise. I would love to connect with you and be on this journey with you. You can also join my Facebook group and meet other women on the same journey. So until next time, I'll be praying with you, Amiga Arise and Shine Daily and may we pray, move and grow together. God bless.